0: we just thank you for this time where we can come and just worship you sing your praises and father just a time that we can say that we love you Mm -hmm. for you're such an awesome awesome God Mm -hmm. who had such an awesome son who loved us and gave himself for us so we just pray as your word is opened up we just pray it will touch our hearts again Lord and that we see Jesus once again Mm -hmm. and want to live for him and follow him so bless Kanda and all the work that he's done and uh, we just pray it will be a blessing, that blessing will flow out to us, and we live for you. So, Father, thank you for him and your word, in the Savior's name, amen. 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 Thank, you. thank you. When uh, Andrew was looking for speakers uh, for Ephesians, he sent me a note, and uh asked me if I would speak on Ephesians chapter 5, starting from verse 22. I think he picked me because of my gray hair. I don't know. But I said to Andrew, I said, yeah, bro, I would do that, I said, on one condition, if you and Linda hold hands while I'm speaking. You haven't kept your word, mate. Are you turning away? It is great to study the Word of God, and the important thing is, in studying the Word of God, in the measure that we understand the Word of God, we need to put it into practice in our lives. It's so easy to to learn it and preach it to others, but to practice it is another matter. And we do trust that as we go through this uh, very important subject, that we will be blessed as we look at this. Now as we come towards the end of our studies in Ephesians, we come across this passage on family matters. Paul is teaching the importance of relationship, the importance of authority, and the importance of submission among believers. From chapter five, verse five to uh, chapter five, verse twenty two to chapter six, verse nine, Paul teaches that every spirit-filled believer, is to be humble and submissive. This is a strong foundation to all relationship, especially in the marriage relationship. Now, if I were to give a title for this passage, I think a good one will be the fulfilled family. The fulfilled family. And the fulfilled family is only possible when when families walk together in the Spirit. The message then for this section is, Wives, submit to your own husband. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Slaves, work hard. Masters, be fair. And this is the complete package for a person who has put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I will not be dealing with all that today, some other speakers will deal with the subject later on, but I've been assigned to speak from verses 22 to 33 over two Sundays. Next Sunday of course is our Sunday school breakup, and Sunday after that we will continue in the will of the Lord. And so the subject assigned to me this morning is called Spirit-Filled Marriages, and particularly speaking to the wives today. I think it is fair to say that we live in an era where even the church has disregarded the full teaching of the Scriptures. Two weeks ago we went to Auckland to witness the baptism of our 18-year-old grandson. Jakin, who is in university in Auckland, invited many of his student friends to come and witness his baptism. They were there. And in the meeting there was a lot of jokes, there was a lot of fun, there was a lot of singing in the meeting. But the man speaking on baptism, I felt was perhaps trying to not to offend anybody the way he spoke about baptism. There was no mention of being saved. There was no mention of of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was no such thing as to who should be baptized, why should be baptized, what is the meaning of baptism. All that God's thing about baptism was not mentioned. And I thought, what a lost opportunity that was, especially for my grandson who brought his university friends to witness his baptism. You see, many believers find some of the truth of the word of God out of date, archaic, irrelevant, and offensive. One telepreacher I heard some years ago said, what's the point of coming to church and going home all doom and gloom? In another word, sin, death, eternity does not matter. Don't preach it. That's what it boils down to, doesn't it? When you speak from the pulpit, what people want to listen and not the word as it is. One lady preacher I'll tell you who she is. Joel Austin's wife said, it is all about you. If you are happy, God is happy. If you are happy, God, and she's saying this from the pulpit and people clapping their hands. Where do we read that in the word of God? If you are happy, God is happy. So then what is our mandate? What are we supposed to do? Paul puts it like this in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And then down to verse 24, he says, And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, these verses suggest that we are to fulfill the high calling with which we are called in every area of our lives, work life, home life, family life, marriage life. We are to fulfill this call with which you and I have been called in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a new area of modern living has been distorted and corrupted by the devil and the world, and it caused the church so much confusion as you and I know it, especially in the area of marriage and the family. People just don't know what to believe. People don't know what to do. They do what they like to do. Some years ago, we received a call from our son, Philip, in Sydney. He was crying. This was midday. I thought something happened to Nathan, our grandson, and he was very sick once before. And when Philip came on the plane crying, he said, Dad, Elaine is leaving me. Both of us were heartbroken. And both Fatima and I started crying. Elaine is such a lovely person. Why is this happening to our family? Well, that marriage ended up in divorce. They have been divorced for some years now. But out of this broken marriage, we have two wonderful grandchildren. And since their mother is Chinese, we very lovingly refer them to as our Chindian grandchildren. Nathan is a youth and young adult pastor in Hughes Baptist Church in Canberra. He's 23 years of age and soon to be 24 and a wonderful lover of the Lord. And he gives his heart out to the young peoples of Canberra. My mother-in-law was a wonderful Christian lady. She had 11 children, and every day she would pray for each of those children by name. Without fail, she would do that. And her one desire was that one of her 12 children will become a missionary. Her one desire was one of her 12 children will go on to full-time work. Well, none of them did, even though they are engaged in Christian work. But out of that prayer, from that prayer, I believe Nathan, the great-grandson, has fulfilled their wish. And Nathan is a wonderful, wonderful worker. Remember, coming out of that broken relationship, I think they were only seven or eight when Elaine left Philip. Rachel is also a lovely young lady studying in the University of Sydney. She turned 21 three weeks ago. Now, why am I telling you this? I know of many Christian parents with similar stories to tell. Broken marriages of their children. Children who were taught the scriptures in the early age. Children who grew up in the way of the Lord, going to church and, and, and uh, reading the word of God at the dinner table and all that. Why is this happening to our children? You see, folks, the evil one is busy as never before targeting and upsetting Christians in the area of marriage and the family. He is a busy man looking for weaknesses in marriages, looking for an area where he can trip them. This year, Fatima and I have been, we have celebrated our 54th wedding anniversary. Has it been a bed of roses? No. No. Were we able to walk together through it? Yes, by the grace of God. Do we still get it wrong? Yes, we do. We still get it wrong. But you see, it takes a lot of understanding. It takes a lot of respecting one another. It takes a lot of love for a marriage to work till death do us part. And once we are married, we are married for life here on this earth. When we were in Singapore on holiday, I took some pictures from the wall of a Chinese restaurant. Look at these and tell me if this is a picture of a happy marriage. There's one of them. The international symbol for marriage. The man's got his card and all and he's saying to the girl, I'm going to give you everything. Here, take my MasterCard, use it. And then when she's got that, the game, game is over. Is that a happy marriage? No. Look at this one. Married life is very frustrating. In the first year of marriage, the man speaks and the woman listens. In the second year, the woman speaks and the man listens. In the third year, they both speak and the neighbors listen. (laughs) Is that a picture of a happy marriage? Funny enough, a Chinese man in his restaurant have put that up. The wife, what are you doing? Husband, nothing. Nothing? You've been reading our marriage certificate for an hour. Husband, I was looking for the expiry date. Is that a picture of a happy marriage? No. That is not what marriage is supposed to be. Sometime I'm asked, particularly from my people at work, Ladies would come to me and said, how did you manage to stay for 54 years with one woman? I said, very easy. I said, I've got the answer. You've just got to remember seven words. They said, what? I said, yes, dear, no, dear, very well, dear. As long as you say, yes, dear, no, dear, very well, dear. Is this the answer for a spirit-filled marriage, agreeing in everything? even if she's wrong? Don't think so. That is not the answer. What then is the answer for a happy, spirit-filled marriage? What is the answer? Listen to Paul as he lays the foundation in verse 21 of chapter 5. This is the foundation of a happy marriage. Paul says this, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That is the foundation for a happy marriage, folks, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The mutual submission to one another should be rendered in the fear of Christ, which means in the reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ. You submit to one another in reverence to the Lord Jesus Christ. The phrase one another appears 59 times in the New Testament. 59 times we hear the word one another. It tells me that there there is no believer superior than the other believer. None of us are greater than the other brother or sister that sits next to us. At least not in this life. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave or free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. One another is the principle of mutual submission. One another is the principle of mutual submission. Marriage is not a one-way street. It is one another working together. If you want your marriage to last and you want to your home to, to be a home where Jesus Christ is honored, the principle is, is one another. There is no classification of believers. Every believer in Jesus Christ has exactly the same salvation, the same standing before God, the same divine nature and resources, the same divine promises and inheritance. There is no classification. We are all one. God has given to us equally. And I understand God has given us different gifts. That's according to what we are capable for. But as far as salvation is concerned, we're all one. We've all got the same salvation, and we've put our faith and trust in the same Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, in the role of function, God has made a distinction. In the role of how you and I function on this earth, God has made a distinction. Elders, for example, elders have the responsibility over their congregation, husband over their wives, parents over their children, employers over their employees. So functionally, we have our responsibility. Is that working, Jonathan? Okay, we'll, we'll look at Ephesians chapter, 20, uh, chapter 5 and reading from verse 22 uh, to 24. This is our lesson this morning. Wives, be subject to your own husband in the Lord. Listening, Kathy? Wives, be subject to your own husbands in the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church he himself being the saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Let us come to point number one, the matter of submission. Now this is a carryover from verse 21, which we've read and it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. That is the basic, that is the base for a happy, spirit-filled marriage. Now, having established the foundational principle of submission, surprisingly, Paul applies it first to the wives. Now, wives here applies to every Christian wife, regardless of a social standing, Regardless of education, regardless of intelligence, regardless of your spiritual maturity, age, experience, or whatever other consideration you can think of, if you are a wife and a believer, then there is a message for you here in the Word of God. What does it mean to submit or be subject to one another? I've been looking at the dictionary, and I've come up with three answers to that. It says to give way, or to yield, or to abstain from resistance. Some country uses the traffic sign that says yield. If you're pulling in from that side, and that's the main road, and you'll see a sign that says yield. It simply means prepare to stop and give way. Prepare to stop and give way. And I also understand that it is a military term, which means to submit to someone of higher rank. In the military, it means to submit to somebody on higher rank. But the submitting in this case, not to a higher rank, but a voluntary response to God's will in giving up to somebody, and in the context of our reading this morning, is a wife to her own husband. Submit to your own husband in the Lord. Notice the wife is not commanded to obey as children are commanded to obey their parents and enslave their masters. Ladies are not commanded to obey, but the wife is commanded to submit, to submit. And vice versa, her husband is not to treat his wife as a servant or as a child, but an equal for whom had given him care and responsibility for provision and to be one flesh as God established in the Garden of Eden. Notice it says your your own husband and this to me suggests the intimacy and the mutuality of the wife's submission. You submit to your own husband. She willingly makes herself subject to the one she loves and the one that she possesses as her own husband. That is what the wife, a spiritual wife does, submits to her own husband. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 to 4 says this. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 to 4. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now what is this all about? What does all this mean? It simply means this. That husband and wives have a mutual possessiveness and a mutual submissiveness. In other words, you possess one another and you submit to one another. Does that make sense? To me it does. You possess one another and at the same time, you submit to one another. It is a two-way traffic. You belong to me, I belong to you, but we submit to one another. And we need to do that if we want the marriage to last till death do us pass. In a parallel passage, Paul writing to the Colossians says this, wives be subject to your husband, as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, be subject to your husband, as is fitting in the Lord. Now I understand the word fitting is sometimes used for something that is legally binding. And it is God's standard for marriage relationship. You are legally bound. And you are spiritually bound to one another the day you have committed yourself to one another. We are bound to one another, folks, till death do us part. Peter teaches the same truth in First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husband, so that even if any one of them are disobedient to the word, may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Do you have an unbelieving husband, wives? Well, my advice to you is not too much preaching, but living a godly life and setting an example, showing him that you belong to Christ. And I know of cases where wives preach to their husband day and night, wanting them to be saved, but they don't live the life, there's no proof in their life that they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Too much preaching, but not much action. And Paul says that they may be one without a word by your chaste behavior, the way you live, according to the word of God, that he will see that and put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a beautiful picture of husband and wife working together as a unit in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 and 20 to 24. When Samuel was still an infant, his father Elkanah wanted his wife Hannah to take the child and go up to Jerusalem with the rest of the hus- household uh, to offer the yearly sacrifice. But his wife Hannah replied, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him up that he may appear before the Lord forever. You see, despite the importance of the yearly sacrifice, she knew that her primary responsibility at that time was to care for her child. Realizing her priorities as was, were right, Elkanah responded, Do what seems right to you. Remain until you win him, only may the Lord confirm his word." And you see how there's a two-way traffic here and they're working together uh, in this case. If you've got time, read Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 to 31 for a de- description of a worthy woman. Let's look at point number two, the motive of submission we know all about submission we look at the motive of submission and it clearly says as to the lord wives be subject to your own husband as to the lord that's the motive of yours sorry i went the manner of submission is as to the lord the obedient spiritual wife supreme submission is first to the lord and then her attitude ought to be a loving submission to the one she loves, in this case, to her husband. Some years ago, John Komany and I were speaking at a Maori conference in Waharoa, and uh, we know John from old days when he used to visit Fiji. He used to uh, stay with my mother-in-law, and he loved eating goat curry and rice. He talks about it all the time, about uh, about that. But John Comedy was giving his testimony one night and he, he told us how in the early days Ernie Edwards m- uh, mentored him and took him around to different places where John Comedy uh, grew up to be an evangelist. And he was telling when he got married to, to his wife, Tabitha, and on their honeymoon night uh, uh, they, they, were, they were praying together and Tabitha in a prayer said, Lord, I thank you for John I thank you that you're able to use him for your glory. And Lord, as we married now, I want you to know that first, John belongs to you. Second, he is mine. And Tabitha said, first, Lord, John is yours. And second, he is mine. What a wonderful commitment. And John Komany was a great, great evangelist here in New Zealand, in Tonga, in Fiji, and Samoa, in many places, and one many for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this submission is in obedience to the Lord, because everything we do, we do unto the Lord. You know, sometimes we do think with good intention and attitude, but it's not, not appreciated, right? Oftentimes we do something, we think we've done a wonderful job, but somebody comes and throws a whole bucket of cold water on it. And why? sometimes you might feel like that, but remember... But the spirit-filled believer in this instance, the wife, submits anyway. Even if he throws a bucket of cold water on you, you submit anyway because that is the Lord's will and your submission is to Jesus Christ. And a wife who submits to a husband also submits to the Lord. So the manner of submission, it is as to the Lord. So as you submit yourself to the Lord, so you submit yourself to the one you love and the one who is your husband. Let us look at the third point, the motive of our submission. What is your motive for submitting to your husband? And uh, it very clearly says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. The husband is the head of the head of the wife. And uh, I was talking to Elf Chote uh, the day before yesterday, and Elf Chote said, oh, that is the curse that happened in the garden Because of Eve's sin, that's why Adam has been made the head of the home. The wife's motive for submitting to a husband is because he is the functional head of the family. This is God's design. He is the functional head of the family, just as Christ is also the head of the church. But you may say, "What, what, what if my husband's not a Christian? My husband's not a believer. Am I still supposed to submit? Absolutely. You're supposed to submit even if she he is not a believer. Let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 to 13. And listen to this. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with him, let her not send her away, send him away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through through her believing husband. You see, we are instructed in the scripture not uh, to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And a lot of Christians had made the mistake of marrying unsaved people, bringing in them life, and the marriage hasn't worked. And I'm a strong believer in that. And I'm also a strong believer where a, where even in business, a Christian should not engage in, into a business a partnership with an with an un, not, not a Christian. And I believe that's very important if we're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are occasions when out of a non-Christian marriage, one partner puts his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So imagine this couple, they're not believers, but later on in life, one becomes a Christian. Now the question is, should the Christian break that union? Now that I am a believer, I am holy, and you are not a believer, should she go and break that union? Paul says, no. If he or she wants to continue living with the other, don't break the relationship. Stay married. That's what Paul's message is. So if you've got a wife that's a believer and a husband who's a believer, the Bible says, stay married and prove to one another that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. So here's the order. We have God, Jesus Christ, husband, wives, children, and so on. That is the order that God has placed it in. Now, how does this work? Very simply. The head gives the direction and the body responds. That's how it should work. And that's how it works in a marriage. A physical body that does not respond to the direction of the head is paralyzed. It it it's crippled. It does not work. Likewise, a wife who does not submit to the direction of her husband is in danger of a breakdown in a Christian marriage relationship and on the other hand when a wife lovingly responds to her husband's leadership and to the lord is an honor to the lord she's a blessing to her husband and her family her church herself and she would be a wonderful blessing for god she's a beautiful testimony to the lord And for those around here, Let's come to our final point. The model of submission. The model of submission. And it says, But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husband in everything. As the church is subject to Christ. We as a church, our head is Christ. We've got elders, we've got deacons, we've got members here. But our direction and our head is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So the supreme and ultimate model is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself who performed the supreme act of submission by giving his own sinless life for a sinful world. He submitted to the demands of God. God wanted sin punished. God loves the sinners but he hates their sin. And there had to be a way where God can unite us to himself. And so the Lord Jesus Christ steps in, in submission to the Father, and he fulfills that role, and he becomes the Savior of the church. Christ is the Savior of the body. He's the Savior of the church for whom he died, giving his life a ransom for many. He is the perfect provider. He is the perfect example is the perfect sustainer. He's the head of the church, which is his body. So the model of submission is none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The spirit-filled wife recognizes that her husband's role in giving leadership is not only God-ordained, but it is a reflection of Christ's own headship over the church. When a wife lovingly submits to her husband, It's just as a church who submits to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she submits to him and to his leadership. And then we go back to Genesis where it says, and the two shall be one. you two different personalities. You come together in marriage. You're united in marriage. Both of you love the Lord. You submit to one another. Listen, it's not a one-way traffic submit to one another in the reverence of Christ. It works both ways. So let us quickly recap as we close. I've been reminded we've got two clocks on the wall, so I better close. Let's quickly recap what we've learned in this message. Wives, submit to your own husband. How? As to the Lord. Remember that. Submit to your own husband. How? As to the Lord. Why? Why? Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife, so is Christ is the head of the church. May God bless our homes, and may God bless our marriage, that as we live for him, that we will glorify Jesus Christ in our lives. May God be honored in our home. May God be honored in our marriage. And remember, submit to one another, in the reverence of Christ. That is the the starting point. And once we learn to do that, there will be a time when she will say something and you're not very happy. The time you say something, she's not happy. But submit and get it right before God and before one another. So there you are, wives and would-be wives, a message from the word of God and trust that as you live together for him, that he would glorify jesus christ uh sunday after next husbands be here i think i've got a message for you from the especially you gary you make sure you be here okay thank you